fast-moving night in Cleveland. Welcome in, everyone, to Draft Takes with Derek Gunn as we come to you live after uh, the Eagles make a selection, D. Gunn, and let me come to you first before we set the table. Let's get an immediate reaction from you. Uh, there was a lot happening around that first pick for the Birds. Well, you know, Joe, when you look at the way the draft board fell tonight, you knew guys like Jamar Chase uh, were going to go early. Um, and, of course, then once the two cornerbacks, J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertain, went off the board, uh, I've been told the Eagles got a little jittery um, because uh, Patrick Sertain was very high on their list. He was the guy they wanted uh, at that 12th spot. Um, but once he went off the board, the Eagles made a transition knowing they still needed some offensive help. You know, they need wide receiver help. They still need some help on the offensive line as well. Um, and so, you know, Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, was the perfect candidate for them to take at that particular time. Because, Joe, when you look at the quality of receivers that are lined up in the NFC East right now, you need to fight some firepower with firepower. And you look at what the Eagles have right now in terms of a receiving core. We know Deshaun Jackson's not coming back through that door. You know Alshon Jeffrey's not coming back through that door. Um, you look at the young, record, young receiving core they have right now. Nobody really stands out as a true number one. This guy can come in here now, even though he's a slight build, he can come in right now and be your number one receiver. Jalen Rager was the first pick in the draft for the Eagles a year ago. So they end up taking another receiver back to back. And I wonder now, Gunner, mm -hmm. uh, when I heard that, for, when I heard the selection and I saw it all play out, I'm wondering, did Nick Sirianni have some influence with Howie inside the draft room? Well, he has to. It has to be a collaborative effort. You know, when you go back to earlier this year, when the two stories came out that were published uh, both by the Philadelphia Inquirer and the Athletic, Zach Berman with the Athletic and Jeff McClain with the Inquirer, about the inner working mechanisms of the Philadelphia Eagles and how it seemed like a divided unit, you know, so the Eagles had to rally the troops and seem like a united front. So, yes, it had to be an input from Jeffrey. It is Jeffrey Lurie's toy. He can do with it what he wants. The general manager, Howie Roseman. You have a new head coach in Nick Sirianni, and you have Andy Weidel who's there to scout, evaluate, and make strong suggestions on what type of players that they need to now fit a new coaching staff's repertoire. So, again, when you look at the cornerbacks were gone. The two premier wide receivers were gone. Not to say that Devonta Smith is not a premier wide receiver, but those other two were, were graded a little bit higher than Devonta Smith. And Nick Sirianni has this offense that's similar to what Frank Reich, we assume, did in Indianapolis. So with that said, you have to get some players, some weapons in there. I mean, this Eagles defense, let's take it for what it's worth. This Eagles defense still has a lot of holes to fill. But – You've got to score as well in the National Football League to be successful. And so if Devonta Smith is what you hope he is, he's going to have some growing pains. He's going to have a learning curve uh, along the way. But if he is what you hope he is, that will help you in a lot of ways open up a lot of facets of your offense. Let us not forget until further notice, you know, Zach Ertz is still a part of this Eagles offense. He hasn't been traded yet. And whether he wants to be here or not, Zach Ertz could be here in 2021. Well, you look, you have a young Jalen Rager. You know um, Greg Ward is a slot receiver. 
I like Quez Watkins. You know, we haven't seen a big enough sample to know exactly what Quez Watkins is or isn't, but I like his speed. Um, John Hightower still needs some work. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, I've just about given up on him. I hate to say that about the young man, but I've just about given up on him. So you needed to add some depth and some quality and, most importantly, some speed to that wide receiver repertoire, and that's what they did with this kid. You know what, Gunnar? I'm trying to balance and trying to, in my mind, process the equation uh, on two sides of the football. One, I say, if Jalen Hurts is going to get a legitimate chance uh, to cement an opportunity and turn an opportunity into becoming the franchise quarterback, he needs weapons. Yes. I also look at, don't have to look past last year's Super Bowl when you have the premier quarterback uh, in Patrick Mahomes and he can't make a play uh, because he's under siege. So I kind of was juggling, I was struggling with which way should they go? Do weapons take priority over defense? They did with the pick. I just don't know if it's still the right one. Well, you know, let's break it down. Let's look at their defensive front. You have Josh Sweat, you have Brandon Graham, you have Derek Barnett. Now, they've been with the system. They've been productive in stretches for this team. The linebacking situation, you added Eric Wilson, but you don't have much else in that regard. Then you go to the back end. What do you have opposite of Darius Slay? You really don't have much of anything. Avante Maddox, I thought Avante Maddox last year would be a much better player uh, for this team last year, and he wasn't. You know, then, of course, you got Rodney McLeod coming back, playing safety off that knee injury. So you don't know how he's going to factor into the situation or if Rodney McLeod will fully recover to be what he was and what this uh, organization hopes he can still be for this defense. So, yes, they do need a lot of help on defense right now. But it's an offensive game, Krause. Let's let's call it for what it's worth. You know, the name of the game is how many points can you put on the board? You know, if you have an offense that can win the majority of your shootouts like 35 to 30, you know, the wins stack up a lot more than the L's. But if you're giving up 35 points, but your offense can only score 25, you know, you're not going to, you're looking at another four, 11 and one season and possibly worse than that. So, you know, again, because the Eagles didn't see what they wanted to see on the board at that time, they made a move out, move out of necessity. Now, if they really wanted a Jamar Chase or one of those guys, they should have stayed at number six. But Howie Roseman is not only thinking about the immediate future, but he's also thinking about the long-term future because you now potentially have three first-round picks in 2022. You can continue to add quality depth uh, to your arsenal as well on whatever side of the football you choose from. Um, But right now, after the board fell the way it did the first nine picks, it was imperative. The Eagles strike and strike quickly. And give Howie kudos. I mean, he, he went from six down to 12 able to jump back up to number 10. Now, he had to give up one of those two third-round picks. He had to give up pick number 84, but he still they still have 10 picks. They still have as many picks as anybody in the National Football League this year. So he used some of those assets to make a significant move to get something that this offense and this team in general desperately needed, and that's why you go out and get a Devonta Smith. You know, the way it started in Cleveland tonight, the pre-draft stories had – uh, Aaron Rodgers putting the Green Bay Packers on notice that um, 
he does not want to return uh, to Green Bay. And of course, that triggered a, a, an avalanche of conversation and thoughts. What's going to happen? Is there going to be a trade uh, involving Aaron Rodgers? I'm not necessarily saying a trade here, uh, right. but that's the way the night started. Uh, in Cleveland. I don't know if anybody, you, you being an expert, I don't know if you saw it playing out the way it played out. Did you? Yeah, I think for the most part, um, the, especially the first four or five draft picks played out the way I thought they would. Once you got beyond that point, nobody knows much of anything, but obviously the draft really shaped up when those two cornerbacks, JC Horn and Patrick Sertain went off the board in the first nine picks. And that's when it really got interesting in terms of what teams wanted to do and what they didn't want to do. Um, and obviously, we saw the Giants drop way down. We saw, of all teams, the Dallas Cowboys make a deal with the Eagles? Are you kidding me? In the first round? In the first round? But then again, you look at what Dallas was able to acquire. They get this kid, Michael Parsons, who I loved in the draft, one of the most talented players in this draft. And as soon as they took him, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? They're going to team him up down in Dallas with Leighton Vander Esch, who's an outstanding linebacker, but who's had problems, who had problems last year staying healthy, and Jalen Smith as well. Are you kidding me? You look at that trio of the linebackers that the Cowboys have now. Cowboys still need help on the back end, but they are loaded on the offensive side of the football. You look at the Washington Redskins. They take another linebacker in the first round. Okay, that defense was already stout enough, but. They added Curtis Samuels in the offseason to go along with Terry McLaurin, okay? Then you go to the Giants. The Giants still need help on defense, but what did they do? They added Kenny Galladay to go with Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, so on and so forth. So obviously, the this division is becoming more offensive-minded. Now, when you talk about the Washington Redskins, they've got to jump on the other three teams in the division because their defense is a legit defense already. But the other teams, and including the Eagles now with a pick they made tonight in the first round, are saying, we need to get some more offensive firepower. We need more diversity in our offense, more speed, more, more players that we can utilize in different situations. And that's what this division has basically become this offseason. You know what, Gunnar, I'm trying to, as I listen to you talk about uh, the Cowboys, the Giants, and even the Washington football team, you know, I sit here and I wonder, are we or is this team the fourth best team right now uh, in the NFC East? Is that where we are? I think that's a very good question, and it's a question that has been answered before. When you look at the Eagles right now, okay, as, of, as we know it today, their starting quarterback, uh, Jalen Hurts, basically has four games of big league experience under his belt. We still don't know if he can be that long-range quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. You have a core group of young wide receivers who are still learning their way in the National Football League. You have uh, two-fifths of your starting offensive line, two pro bowlers that are coming back from injuries, Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks. If they can stay healthy, along with Jason Kelsey, Isaac Sayamalu at the left guard position, Four-fifths of your offensive line looks pretty doggone good. Yeah, it's probably the strongest asset they yeah. have. But your big question mark is, who's your starting left tackle right now? Is it Jordan Mailata, who's shown flashes that he's a pretty good football player, but he's still learning the game. He's only been three years into the game of pro football, okay? 
What about Andre Dillard? Because everything that I've been told about Andre Dillard over the last couple of years is he's been a disappointment to his organization. He can't stay healthy, and he's not the player they thought they were drafting. He obviously has not made the progress. They hope that he would have made up to this point. Obviously, he lost significant practice time, significant playing time because of COVID-19 last year and because of his injury uh, as well. Now, the running back situation, okay, you have Miles Sanders. You're bringing Jordan Howard back. But is Jordan Howard the answer in terms of being a compliment to Miles Sanders? We don't know that. We have Dallas Goddard at tight end who we thought was going to be the heir apparent to Zach Ertz. But Zach Ertz is still in uniform. And let's face it, I think Dallas Goddard is a better blocker than Zach Ertz. But I don't think he's a better overall overall pass catcher than Zach Ertz. I think the one thing that, that Zach Ertz still, even at this stage of his life at 30 years of age, that does a little bit better than Dallas Goddard is get separation down the field. Now, we've all criticized Zach Ertz for not being able to break tackles and pick up that yak after the catch, but he's still a difficult player to match up with for linebackers and safeties on passing routes. Um, So there's a huge question mark with this team. And then, as you just alluded to a little while ago, we don't know what this defense is. You know, this defense is devoid of talent up front, linebackers and on the back end. So – to answer your question, is are we looking at this Eagles team as possibly the fourth best team in a division? I think as it stands right now, I think the answer would be yes. I don't want to use the word process, but are we in a process with this football team right now? Meaning, I don't know if they'll end up utilizing – seven or eight of their 10 remaining picks. I have a feeling there's more Howie trades that are going to come on yep. day two and then certainly on day three. So maybe when it all washes itself out, Gunner, maybe they end up with six or seven picks throughout the full uh, NFL draft this year. One, I don't know if that's enough. And then two, will they get, players that can contribute on this team, not just make the team. Well, yet alone make the team, but also contribute. Well, uh, Joe, you know as well as I do, when you look at how his draft history in recent years, it has been inconsistent at best. And they have not done, done a good enough job of finding those middle round picks that eventually could become Uh, dependable starters for this team. If you look at some of the better teams in the National Football League, you look at the Kansas Cities, you look at the Baltimores, you look at the Green Bays. These teams are not only good at finding early round picks, but they're really good at finding these middle round picks, the picks that they can convert into into dependent, consistent players for them at a number of positions. The Eagles haven't been able to do that. And you look at where the Eagles are right now. This is a team that was one of the older teams in the National Football League. Now it's going to be one of the younger teams in the National Football League. Um, obviously, Howie likes to wheel and deal on the, in the offseason and bring in vets, but he couldn't do that because of, number one, the cap restraint they were under, and number two, because of COVID and the NFL losing a ton of money, the cap number didn't go up as much as it normally does annually. So Howie Roseman and the organization were handcuffed in terms of trying to replenish the cover, so to speak, with veteran-proven players who may have been middle-of-the-road price-wise but still would have been quality players. So now you're relying on younger players 
Now, I will say this because I've said it on my Gun on One podcast on a number of occasions. I've said it on other, uh, other media uh, platforms as well. I think this Philadelphia fan base will be patient. I think we all expect this Eagles team to go into 2021 and have another losing season. But I think this fan base will be a lot more patient if they see progress with the youth movement in this organization. If we see players improving and getting better and becoming more NFL-like players uh, in 2021, I think fans in Philadelphia can stomach a losing season a little bit better, knowing that the that the, there's a rainbow at the end of this 2021 tunnel. But if we don't see a lot of progress from not just uh, a Devonta Smith, uh, we need to see progress from existing players who are young players, Overall, and new an influx of new players are going to bring in as well. It's hard for any young player just to come in the National Football League and hit the ground running and be a success story. It takes time. But as we've also seen in recent history, it doesn't have to take four to five years anymore to turn it around for an organization to struggle. We've seen organizations be able to turn it around now in a couple of years. So you have to cross your fingers, cross your toes, cross your legs, and hope that the Eagles can turn this thing around in a couple of years, because if you look at 2022, they come out from under this dark cloud, this dark cap cloud that they are under in 2021. They possibly have three first round picks. So you could possibly have three starters in 2022, but you have to get to 2022 and 2021 could be a year of frustration. You know, Gunner, the promo for draft takes uh, with Derek Gunn talks about firing their Super Bowl winning head coach three years later. It talks about trading away the highest paid quarterback in the history uh, of the franchise. Uh, It talks about trading down in the draft. So it kind of paints a road map for how we've arrived, you know, to this point in time. And then I see Trey Lance, from North Dakota state, go to San Fran with pick three in the draft. And I'm immediately wondering and asking myself, wow, how did we get here? Mm. Well, every team goes through it, Krause. Um, You know, the Eagles have had so much success in recent years. I mean, you look at this year, this past season, they were decimated by injuries and, and decimated is not an understatement. They were decimated by by injuries. But if you look at the previous two years, they were also hit hard by injuries. But they were able to bounce back from that and make a run to the playoffs. You know, but now it it finally caught up to them. And so as an organization, they had to sit back and determine what direction do we want to go in? Do we want to continue this course with older players or do we want to start this thing over again and try to build it hopefully in the right way? So the, the head coach in the front office could not come to a meeting of the minds in terms of how the things should be run moving forward, who should still be here in terms of coaching staff moving forward. So the head coach decided to bow out. The franchise quarterback obviously uh, didn't live up to expectations, wasn't happy about the organization drafting Jalen Hurts, and obviously butted heads with the head coach and the coaching staff and decided he wanted out. Now, obviously, Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie, Andy Weidel all had to sit down and decide, what are we going to do? Are we going to keep Carson Wentz here against his will? 
are we going to try to get something for Carson Wentz while he's still a, a young player? Um, the Eagles were lucky to find a trade partner to give them what they got for Carson Wentz. Mm. When you consider his injury history and when you consider that his 2020 season was an abomination, basically, this man finished, you know, one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the game, finished uh, completing under 60% of his passes. He couldn't hit wide open receivers. Now he was under duress because the offensive line was shredded. They had 14 different starting offensive line combinations in 2020. This man took a beating. He was hit over 120 times. He was sacked over 50 times. I don't care who you are and how much money you're paid. You're still human. And the human body can only take so much punishment. And so it got to a point where Carson Wentz was basically beat up. That's not making an excuse for his performance on the field. But Carson, Carson Wentz basically was beating up. And I'm not sitting here defending Carson Wentz's play. Because there were times when he had ample time to stand back in that pocket and find an open receiver and either overthrew or threw an interception. So, you know, you can't justify a lot of the throws that he didn't make. But there were a lot of throws he made under duress, you know, in a lot of situations. And obviously, with the way things went in 2020, uh, Carson Wentz decided that was in his best interest to move on. The Philadelphia Eagles finally decided, okay, we know we're going to have to bite a bullet here, but it's in the best interest of the Philadelphia Eagles for Carson Wentz to move on. And so that's the um, decision they arrived at. Well, when they made that decision, Gunner, so now the thought process, and let's bring everybody into the uh, into the thought process, you know, through your eyes. You've been around this team for a long, long time. So uh, the brain trust now is in the middle of a conversation. And uh, one one box on the board says weapons. Uh, one box on the board says shutdown. Uh, and one box on the uh, 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 the other box says um, edge, edge rushers. Mm -hmm. you, you know, two boxes for the defense, one for the offense. But I don't necessarily know if if they made the right decision tonight because of that. Now I know Jalen needs weapons, so I'm I'm excited for the pick. I just don't know if it's enough or if it will be enough. We we never know uh, how first round picks are going to pan yeah. out. You look across the board in any position, um, and there are a lot of misses in the first round in the National Football League. Um, but but in Maybe this more misses than hits, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but in this case, uh, when you look at uh, the, the the as we talked about a few moments ago, when you look at the nature of what this team was lacking in terms of uh, offensive firepower to combat the other teams and the division and other teams, offensive-minded teams they're going to face on their 2021 schedule. Um, the Eagles had to make a determination. What was the most important entity that they wanted? Andy Weidel has said recently that they had 12 players. This was when they were still sitting at number 12. They had 12 players on their top 12 list. Any one of those 12 players they would be comfortable with. And as I said a few moments ago, I know Patrick Sertain was high on that list of desires for the Philadelphia Eagles. But because of the way this draft played itself out, once you got past Sertain at number nine, the Eagles wanted to make sure they got it, got one of their premier players before the Dallas Cowboys did. Now, I, I didn't think in any way, shape, or form the Cowboys were going to take another receiver in the first round. When you look at they already have 
Amari Cooper. They have C.D. Lamb. They have Michael Gallup. They have Cedric Wilson. You know, so they didn't need a wide receiver. You know, and the Eagles needed a wide receiver more so than anything. The Giants were the, the trick in this. Would the Giants have taken Devontae Smith if the Eagles hadn't leapfrogged past them? Because the way it appears right now, once the Eagles leapfrogged past the Giants and took Devontae Smith, the Giants made a deal and bowed way down in the first round of the draft. So that tells me the Giants were thinking offense as well. So kudos right. to the Eagles for outthinking the Giants. Now, you, you, you're right. They still could have taken a defensive player, whether it was an edge rusher, whether it was a linebacker. You know, Micah Parsons was still sitting there. But the bottom line is, as much as you need guys to defend an offense, Micah Parsons is not going to get you in the end zone. You look at Devonta Smith, he was considered, even though he wasn't the first one or two receivers taken off the board, he was considered the best route runner of all the receivers in this year's class. When you look at his game film, he can get off press coverage. Once he gets by you, he's so similar to Deshaun Jackson in the sense that once he gets by you, you're not going to catch up to him. And if you want to stretch the field, what do you need? You have to have a weapon that can stretch the field. Devonta Smith can stretch the field. It opens up your play action. It opens up your running game in a lot of ways. And even though Devonta Smith is slight of build at six foot, only 166 pounds, the kid is fearless. You know, you look at some of the hits he's taken, uh, the kid is fearless. He's playing in the best conference you can play in against numerous future NFL-type players. He's played in the most physical conference you can play in. He's played in a conference that has the deepest talent you could possibly have. And he comes out as the Heisman Trophy winner in 2020. The kid had 117 catches. Look at the wealth of receivers that you had on that Alabama team. Now, a couple of years ago, he was overshadowed by Henry Ruggs uh, and Jerry Judy, yet he still has 68 catches for over 1,200 yards and 13 touchdowns. This year, he's he still has a lot of great talent surrounding him on that Alabama, off, Alabama offense. The kid had 117 catches, over 1,800 yards, and 23 touchdowns. That's 37 touchdowns in two years playing in the SEC. That's enough for me. Now, obviously, the Eagles, uh, they're going to put some weight on him, hopefully not to the point where it affects his overall speed and agility. Hopefully, he's going to be end up being a little bit bigger than a Deshaun Jackson was. But with that type of agility and ability, that kid's okay with me. I have no problem with that. Let me get your opinion on this, uh, Derek, on now that it's played out. Yeah. Was it – if you didn't make the move – Yeah. And you stayed at six. Yeah. And you see the Dolphins at six take Devontae's teammate. They take Waddle yeah. at six. And then you look at the subsequent picks, the Lions and Carolina and the Broncos, which ultimately played out for the Eagles. Was it the right move to come down or to, uh, to go from six to 12? Did Howie make the right move? Or is it premature to ask that question? No, it's a valid question because um, I, I didn't have a problem with them moving down. If they had moved down to the low 20s, I might have had a problem with that. But because they were still getting one of the top 15 players in this year's draft, being in the number 12 spot, as I put out there on my Twitter account, as I, as I said a couple of weeks ago, I was told 
that if the Eagles stayed at number 12, they were going to take a cornerback or a wide receiver. And lo and behold, they ended up taking a wide receiver uh, in, in this draft. So, no, they, they got an extra pick uh, for next year. Uh, they were able to stay in the top 15, and then they were able to make a move because they had 11 picks. They had uh, 11 picks in, in this year's draft. They were able to utilize one of those assets in the third round. They still have the 70th pick overall in the third round. They didn't have to give that one up. They gave up the 84th pick in the third round. So they were able to parlay that in a move with the Dallas Cowboys to jump up two spots to get one of those 12 players that they were on their board. They, they, they still would have got one of those 12 at number 12, but by moving up, they assured themselves of getting not the 12th best, best player on their board, but the 10th best player on their board at that particular time. So they have going into Friday, Gunner, they, from a draft pick standpoint, the Eagles have what left on the shelf at least uh, at least right now going into tomorrow. Well, right now they have the 37th pick in the draft in round number two, which is still a really good pick. Uh, I would hope they go cornerback or linebacker with that pick uh, also. And then you have the seventieth pick overall in the third round. So you have your first three picks are players that should be able to help you immediately, more so than long term. The Eagles are going to get three of the top seventy players in this draft. And if you look at a lot of teams, if you can get three of the top seventy players, you're going to get a frontline player, obviously in the number one spot, but you're also going to get two players who could push for significant playing time right away, especially a team that's trying to rebuild. One last thought, Gunner, before I let you go tonight. And, of course, Derek Gunn will be uh, back here all weekend uh, throughout the draft with Draft Takes uh, with Derek Gunn, presented by IBEW Local 98. Subscribe, listen, watch, uh, and download on Spotify uh, and Apple Podcast. Where will they go, D. Gunn? Um, where will they go tomorrow? What will they look to do uh, on Friday? I believe they'll go defense in, in round number two, whether it's cornerback or linebacker. That I, I think is imperative. They find another, another young, talented corner, and there's still going to be some on the board uh, to, to hopefully go opposite of Darius Slay. And in round number three, they may try to shore up the offensive line. And one thing we know about this organization since Howie Roseman has been at the helm is – they normally like to build this team from the inside out, meaning in the trenches, whether it's offensive line or defensive line. So I think they may go offensive line in round number three, but that will be determined by whether they take a linebacker or a cornerback with that 37th pick in the second round. Draft takes with Derek Gunn across the Jacob Media Network right here on the YouTube channel. Be right back at it uh, tomorrow. It'll be interesting to comment tomorrow uh, on what Howie says tonight uh, in his uh, press conference. Do you think, Gunner, uh, that uh, the Eagle Brass uh, is happy with their performance tonight? today? Oh, I think so. I think they're elated to come out of uh, this first round with a premier receiver like a Devontae Smith. Um, I, I think, you know, there were so many different directions they could have gone, but obviously it depended on how the draft would fall. So I think, you know, Howie Roseman, I'm hoping, considering how much of a brow beating that Howie has taken in recent years because of his inconsistencies in the draft, 
I hope he comes comes out smelling like a rose with this pick, not just next year or the, or the year after, but, but several years down the road. I always said whoever they took in the first round this year had to be a player who could be a cornerstone for this organization, not just uh, in his rookie contract, but a player for seven, eight, nine years if he's still productive. And I think if you can keep this young man healthy, I think he can be one of the premier receivers. I think he's going to be one of the most dangerous receivers in the National Football League if he is what I think he is in terms of a speedster with the ability to stretch a field and the ability to allow Nick Sirianni's offense to be more deceptible as well. So hopefully how he comes out of this uh, patting himself on the back many years down the road because he has taken a brow beating from all of us through the years in terms of how they have picked over the years, which has not been great at all. One last nugget I want you to give the uh, viewers, the listeners, and uh, everybody from around the Delaware Valley who uh, respects what Derek Gunn brings to uh, to any conversation when it comes to Eagles football. Um, there's a lot of love, D-Gunn, for Zach Ertz in this town. Um, is he gone? Will they trade? Is Zach Ertz done his career here in Philadelphia? I can tell you this much about Howie Roseman. Since the offseason, Howie Roseman has listened to a lot of conversations about Zach Ertz, and obviously nothing has piqued his interest uh, to this point to trade uh, a Zach Ertz. I still believe Howie Roseman will listen to conversations about Jack, Jack, uh, Zach Ertz as the draft continues to unfold. And, you know, there are a lot of teams that may not get what they want in a certain round. They feel they may need that one piece to shore up the tight end position. And we're going to have to make a move because we can get this proven commodity now. And that's what Howie wants. If he can get another decent draft pick, to get some more young talent in here for the future of this organization, that's when Howie will bite and make the move. But I'm on the fence 50-50 right now in terms of where Zach Ertz is going to be. I don't think Zach Ertz is going to get the contract that he wants and feels he deserves with the Philadelphia Eagles. We heard prior to the season starting in 2020 that Zach Ertz and, and Howie Roseman had a heated conversation on the practice field in training camp about his contract situation. Uh, both Howie and Zach deflected that rumor as the season went on. Um, but do you want Zachers back here and unhappy, disgruntled back uh, Zachers back here? Now, I will tell you this, knowing what I know about a Zach Ertz, when he steps between those stripes, whether it's the practice field or the game field, no matter whose uniform he's wearing, no matter how unhappy he might be, Zach Ertz is going to be the consummate professional. He's going to go out there and give you 110%. And if Zach Ertz is still in a Philadelphia Eagles uniform, he is obviously another viable weapon for Jalen Hurts to go to. He is a safety valve for Jalen Hurts to go to in 2021. He would still be a tremendous asset uh, in their double tight end sets for Nick Sirianni in this offense, which would allow Nick to do a lot of different creative things with a double tight end set uh, in this offense. So I'm still on the fence in terms of where Zach Ertz is going to be. If Zach Ertz is going to leave here, you know, you know, kudos to Zach Ertz for what he has been to the Philadelphia Eagles organization. I wish him nothing. No, I wish him nothing but major success in his future wherever he lands. But if Zach Ertz is still a Philadelphia Eagle when they kick off the 2021 
uh, NFL season. That's a huge benefit for Nick Sirianni and this Eagles offense. You know, I was in a uh, quickly gun. I was in a conversation the other day with Brent Selleck on a different radio program. Uh, and he was talking about uh, that core group of leaders that were all part of that championship team that ultimately went on, uh, as you know, to win the Super Bowl. Yep. I wonder now. Um, who are the leaders? Who will be the leaders on this football team? You're running out of leaders. You got a lot of young guys. You got a lot of young guys who still want to prove themselves. I don't think Jalen is. I love Jalen. Right. Way. Right. Right. And I think he has the mindset to lead. Right. Just as an opinion from afar, but right. you know how it works. You need guys that are going to lead. Who's the leader on the in the locker room right now? Is it Fletcher? Oh, you st you still have a good core group of guys who are leaders. You still have Lane Johnson. You still have Fletcher Cox. You still have Brandon Brooks. You still have Brandon Graham there. The only negative is all of those names I just mentioned are 30 years and older. Yeah. So they're getting up there in age and tenure for this organization. But you still have them now. The most important thing is you still have them now. You still have another wave of guys coming up, the Dallas Goddards, the Miles Sanders, who should be able to have that baton passed to them and be the next wave of leaders in this Philadelphia Eagles locker room. So for right now, you still have that core group of guys who were here just a few years ago when they hoisted that Lombardi trophy and rode off into the sunset with this franchise's first ever Super Bowl championship. And if they are what I think they are in that locker room, you know, the perfect guys to police that locker room, those who are right behind them, I consider the next wave uh, of leaders will learn a lot of valuable experience and, adv and advice from those guys who are 30 and older right now. Draft Takes with Derek Gunn, presented by IBEW Local 98. Day one uh, in the books, Gunner. Uh, I didn't expect to be here, but I'm glad I was, brother. So uh, we'll see you tomorrow uh, across the Jacob Media Network. Well done, my friend. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure to talk football with you. Uh, just wanted to tell people as well, uh, as you just mentioned, that I will be back on, on Friday and Saturday for, for each and every round. Uh, right now I'm scheduled to have my man, the myth, the legend, Barrett Brooks, joining me for rounds uh, two through six on Friday and Saturday. And then to close out the draft round seven and to give a perspective of the overall draft for the Eagles, I'm bringing in one of my favorite writers, a guy I have a lot of respect for in Zach Berman of The Athletic, who is so insightful and gives you a perspective that sometimes you overlook. You know, Zach Berman has always told me that if he could, he would sleep in the Novacare Complex. That's how much he loves football and being around the game. And I think Zach Berman is one of the premier writers in this region in terms of covering the Philadelphia Eagles. So we have a pretty good lineup stacked up for the next two days to go through rounds two through seven of the Eagles 2021 NFL Draft. And, Gunner, I think you're the premier Eagles reporter uh, in the region. You trying, to make, you trying to make me blush? <laughs> Great stuff, brother. Appreciate it, Gunner. We'll see you tomorrow. All right.